All right, so Ari, I'm sure you've heard of it, but the uh, the Biden administration is signing, as we speak, the quote-unquote most progressive bill in American history. This is the 1.9 trillion, trillion with a T, uh, bill that would uh, now, you know, ostensibly for COVID relief, among many other, you know, uh, things uh, for, for opening up businesses and schools. Never mind that virtually none of it is is for anything related to COVID, let alone indirectly related. It's mostly stuff that is designed to simply as a progressive wish list. What's fascinating to me about this is the speed with which they went into this um, and how they are playing their hand because they know this is the moment for them. They have ostensible control of the Senate. They have control of the House. And of course, now they sit in the White House. And therefore, this is their moment to shine. And if they don't do it now, well, then by golly, when are they going to do it? So that's why, you know, they have this attitude. Um, I'm not surprised that it's happening. Um, And they're all patting themselves on the back at the end of the day. But what what, what is the impact of this at the end of the day? Are are we going to... Do they realize that by doing this, that they're only setting it up so that we will understand that they are just, you know, horribly greedy. Uh, the correlation between what has happened since January 20th and the collapse of the border, just for example, there's now a, a huge crisis at the border, uh, which was virtually gone as a crisis, that there was virtually no real issue at the border in the past two years because Donald Trump took care of it, right? He built the wall, he enforced the border and everything else. But now we're seeing a crisis at the border. We're seeing all sorts of crazy things happening. We're seeing uh, massive uh, crime everywhere. In in every state, there is a huge spike in crime, Uh, mostly because there is a defunding of the police. So these are the things that you can expect to see more of. Now, as I always say, the Democrats fail to see cause and effect, right? They've always been guilty of that. Meaning that they have a plan and then they don't bother to consider the consequences. But the reason why many of their base are jiggy with their plans, whether that's minimum wage and and so on, well, that's because uh, they don't see the consequences until years later sometimes, because it does take some time for for you to see the immediate consequences. It doesn't happen overnight. Right, that everyone loses their jobs. It's a, it's you know, it's a slow burn, and then they try to find other reasons why uh, bad things happened, uh, to to explain why the bad things happened. But now, <clears throat> you're seeing immediate results. The crisis at the border is on Biden's watch. The high crime that suddenly has spiked is now on Biden's watch, and now this 1.9 trillion dollar spending bill uh, is is on Biden's watch. I mean, it, it's so clear to people that this is just a, an effort to undo the American system, to impose socialism on the country through this indirect way, no matter what they call it. What, what do they call it? The, uh, the, you know, better for the people or something like that? Uh, oh, that's Bill. a good name. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, it's something like that. It's something, I feel you know. better already. <laughs> but, but anyway, that's the point. They'll, they'll see this connection and they'll say, I don't like it. Now, I'm very, I'm hopeful, I would be hopeful in that sense that in 2022 we'll take back the House and uh, likely commandeer the Senate again 
uh, by a majority, and not even a slim majority, but a, a sizable majority, hopefully like 55, 45. Uh, and that way, pretty much halt the Biden administration in its tracks. The concern I have, as I'm sure you do, is that the voting system uh, has been altered now. They now, as part of this bill, they've now said that it's okay not to not only not show driver's license. Well, that's a different bill. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the HR one. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so my mistake. House. That's something else. Okay, so HR one is the uh, is the anyway, but that's that's going to be happening, and people will be doing it regardless. So my concern is in November of 2022. Uh, while I think that the the sentiment will be that the conservatives were right and that these liberals are crazy and they're really trying to take over the country, the fix will be in literally, and they will just dump liberal ballots uh, throughout the nation, even in states like uh, that are reliable conservative, conservative like South Dakota or Arizona and so on, and uh, make sure that, that uh, it'll, it'll be a, a liberal sweep. So I'm, I'm concerned about that, uh, especially among the governorships. The bottom line is, uh, I, I don't know where this country is going. It's, it's the first time that I'm feeling in America, that not only are my free speech rights at risk, but my liberties, generally speaking, are at risk. Uh, the fact that I'm a, an outspoken conservative, you know, I'll always be an outspoken conservative. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of that. But I know that there may be consequences as such. And I don't, I don't like it. I don't think that there should be consequences just because I speak my mind on the conservative uh, end of the spectrum. But you're going to see that. If you are a, um, a liberal, there's no doubt that you will enjoy great protection. You could say virtually anything, and you'll be fine. Uh, but, you know, so long as it, it doesn't uh, meet the, um, doesn't, it doesn't, uh, so, so, so long that it stays along with the ever-changing attitudes of the Democrats and whatever their motifs are for the day. So, for example... We're now canceling, what is it, Dr. Seuss today, and yesterday it was Mr. Potato. Uh, tomorrow will be Mr. Coffee, by the way. You, know, you can rest assured about that. But they're looking for every opportunity to cancel uh, traditions that we used to have. And this is, they want to create their new cartoons, their new uh, icons of culture. So... Uh, forget about, let's say, uh, you know, the Al Bundy character from uh, Married with Children. Forget about any of those um, icons of family or, and otherwise and, and concepts of virtue as we used to have in the old days, whether it's honor or justice or truth. Those things are going to go moving by the wayside because yeah, the all that... Waltons, the Waltons, which yeah. was the most wholesome show on TV, will now be canceled for not being... Uh, trans-friendly from a contemporary lens. Yes, it, it, it uh, showcased a nuclear family in a way that was uh, just too much, you know. Uh, they didn't have enough uh, uh, fatherless uh, children. They didn't have enough women that are single mothers. They had no abortions, no transgender children. They didn't use condoms enough. <laughs> and not enough anal sex, that's for sure. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and, you know, like uh, in the case of like canceling a human being who, let's just bring up uh, an example. 
you won't know who this person is, most likely, Barack, but there was a guy named Josh Hader, H-A-D-E-R, a great pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, who a couple years ago was found to have tweeted some intemperate things as a teenager. And he still has his job because in Major League Baseball, if you're left-handed and can throw the ball 100 miles an hour anywhere near the plate, you'll have a job. But his opportunities were severely curtailed and he was criticized for intemperate behavior from 20 years ago, right? So we've gone from that in 2018 to where we are today, where a cartoon character, Pepe Le Pew, whose very existence is a negative stereotypical role model of what not to do as a man by being an obnoxious uh, uh, idiot with how he treats women, is being canceled because he promotes rape culture when the very existence of the cartoon was in opposition to so-called right. contemporary It's, it's rape very culture. much like the uh, To Kill a Mockingbird situation, where the whole story is a, is a story against racism, but because there are bad guys in that book who are racist, they don't even want to portray the racism at all, to, if, even if it's for the purpose of showing how stupid and evil racism was. Right. That's right. So uh, and, and th- that's that's that. Wait, wait. Well, that yeah. that's the weird thing about it, and and that's, you know, and, and this is where I want to go with this, Ari. So forgive me. The point is the closest thing that we're feeling to this ever changing culture, and where you have to worry about what you're saying, and yourself, you find yourself self censoring, is the French Revolution, right? And and to a greater extent, I mean, maybe a more extreme example is the former Soviet Union where you didn't know what was construed uh, to be anti-state. So uh, it, they always kept yeah, it very vague. Up, you, you, would, you would always... Well, you, would, and you don't know what happened, what, how the rule changed from yesterday. So you would wake up, uh, and, and the rule would be something like, yeah, you, you shall not promote anything that is contrary to the interests of the states. Okay, so that begs the question, what's the interest of the state? And that, that is the issue for, for a lot of people. They, they don't know what will be construed as racist or not woke. That's the, the, more, you know, um, that's the more powerful expression du jour. That, that is it. Uh, are you, how are you going to offend somebody? Forget about racism for a second. Um, and, and who knows what will be construed as racist. You never thought that math could be racist, construed as racist, but here we are. You never thought that uh, correct grammar might be construed as racist, but here we are. You well, never thought about the, the. You never thought that the history of America could be. You know that, that, that the teaching of history uh, itself can be construed as racist, or Western civilization. But here we are, and as you just said, the, the notion of being on time, uh, or manners for that matter, could be construed as racist. And, and again, so so you, you go about your day thinking. What else can be construed as racist? And so, I mean, shall the words please and thank you be construed as racist? That, yeah. I guess that's a form of manners. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, is that a white, is that a, a too white thing to do? Yeah, but why not just uh, engage in the catch-all, which human beings extrapolate to as far as efficiencies, which is just assume everything is racist, including, well, why is it, well I assume, the Democrat Party. I mean, they are racist, so why, why somehow do they have a no-fly zone of racist accusations against them? That's the part that always confuses me. Now, we are discussing this without the obvious caveat, which is these are what the media tells people. So without that, without that propagandizing, you know, gun at the heads of the brains of most everyone, a lot of this would not happen. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. So it's a great point. We're, it's we're a... Key, you know, like for instance, here's a phrase I hear a lot of, and, and we've talked about this before. Um, let's just say uh, a Garcetti or a Newsom or a Whitmer or a Cuomo does something, something terrible. And then you hear, well, why aren't people outraged? As they were, for instance, in the wake of the George Floyd uh, 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 death, um, you know, with riots and such or protests. And the, the answer is very simple. Well, media, both social and traditional, prevents the coalition of multiple people who are feeling disgruntled from organizing each other to show up in the same time and same place to uh, to effectuate the same change. Yeah. Right? So so look. So, so that has a huge portion. On okay. That, so here's the deal of the, uh, the the issue on that. I. It is interesting what you said, the takeaway of, you know, how come these things are not coming out, both the, the evil side of what we're seeing from the, the left and the failure to present the good side that's coming from the right. Uh, I spoke to a couple of very close friends recently uh, about all the great things that Trump had done uh, during his administration. Uh, they, they were the kind of people that said, oh, he was so brash, he was so blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I don't care about the brashness. And, you know, we, we've talked about this many times before. Look at all that he's accomplished. And I start rattling them off, right? The Mexico-Canada trade deal, the, uh, the, the pushback against Iran, the pushback against China, uh, the incredible employment, uh, not only of uh, whites, but the best uh, employment picture for blacks in the history of, of uh, ever since it's been recorded. Uh, the embassy moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, the five uh, brokered peace deals, and so on and so on and so on. And what, they never heard of any of them? They, they never heard of oh, any of these yeah. things. Well, hold on. That's my point, is that, and they said, how come this hasn't come? They need to bring this out, they said. Well, if you're only watching CNN and, and New York Times, why do you expect them to bring that out? I mean, look. <clears throat> Don't you love that? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Ari, 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 please, hold on. Okay. All right. You got to let me say. Okay. So the point is, I'm, I'm getting somewhere different than that. Okay. The point is that I have been telling them that the CNN and the NY, NYT and Time Magazine, all these things, they're, they're never going to say these things. They're never going to. And, and I, as I pointed out to these people, and that's why you need to let me just say this, Ari, have to none of these people, none of these entities, these these liberal outlets, have said uh, that anything good about Trump. There's not one single thing that they've ever said where Trump has g- given an achievement. And to the extent that they have to talk about, let's say the embassy move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, I'm just picking that out as an example. They either dramatically limit it uh, or minimize it, or they simply say that you know they try to find a way how this is actually negative. Uh, that this will create all sorts of devastation in the Middle East and it'll create for more riots and so on. So um, that, that's, that's the issue there. And they don't, they don't want to understand that. Um, and, but this is, this is really what you're dealing with. It's, and you need to, to fight people if you have to, to say, look, listen to whatever you want to listen to, but you should also listen to conservative outlets. Because if you think that uh, somebody is that bad all the time, like Trump is all great, all the t- all horrible all the time, and you think that Biden or Obama is all great all the time, then you're obviously you're not seeing a reality here. So you, you need to balance yourself at the very least. But watching CNN all day, you're not going to get that picture. You get yes, I know you get the same thing. I was saying that about Fox News and and uh, Newsmax and so on. I understand that, and to some degree, I agree with that. But that's it's actually different. 
we are overwhelmed with liberal news media. So we are not missing that. It's, it's hard not to get that. It's like, it's like trying to avoid uh, sunlight, sunlight here in, uh, in Los Angeles. You're going to get it. Uh, just by the sheer movement of one place to the other, you're going to get sunlight. And uh, that's the way it is with the liberal news media. And likewise, in Seattle, you're going to get rain, right? So, look, I want to move on uh, to another point, which is very related to this. This notion that you are going to see, here's my point. The, when, when, with the left, you don't know what's good, right? I mean, we talked about this, this ever-changing culture. You don't know what's going to be construed as racist or sexist or whatever, right? Uh, and, and they make you walk in eggshells, not only in your day-to-day conversations, but even in your own brain. You don't know what's good, and, and you don't know what the right position that you must take from one day to the next. It's like, I don't know, it's like having alcoholic parents who are randomly pleasant on one day and terrifying the next. How about that for an analogy, right? That, that's the left for you. There is no stability, no consistency. It's just as terrifying, just as paralyzing, just as intimidating, and just as suppressing of your ability to grow when you have alcoholic parents, right? Now, thank God I I didn't have that in my life, but I I know enough people who describe what it was like to live with alcoholic parents. They were terrified to come home from school almost every day. And we're all becoming like that child of the abusive alcoholic parent. That's it. How do you like that for an analogy? Well, that's exactly what it is. And, and the specific issue you're addressing is that the best way to drive someone crazy is to give them punishments and rewards that aren't linked to reality and come at random times. So a decent parent will punish a child swiftly, severely, and immediately if the child, say, runs in front of a a traffic on a street. And there's a reason and a logic for it the child can learn. And trust me, this is an an important example to go through so that it's fully clear what you're saying here. Because the child can then learn, oh, if I run in front of a car on the street, I can die. And there's a huge penalty for my mistake, and then the, the punishment the parent doles out is not irrational or illogical. Likewise, if the child comes home with straight A's in in difficult subjects, the parent rewards the child for that. That's normal parenting. But if the child is ignored when they run into the street and punished for a temper tantrum when they get straight A's because the parent's inebriated or non-inebriated state is affected by their, um, their drug of choice or alcohol imbibement, the child will grow up insane. And the insanity that when people have that installed in them becomes paralyzing. So what you're seeing in these populations governed by Democrats, where you're told to hug someone in Chinatown when the pandemic is in the initial stages of outbreak and no one knows anything about it, and then you're told to mask up even after getting vaccinated, as we're being told today, it results in a paralyzed state. Yeah, Especially, yeah. We, we don't know whether we're at war with the Eurasia one day and, and not at war the next day, right? So that, that's right. I think that's what you're saying. It's very, it's very. What's the the foundation falls from underneath you, right? You you just it's very destabilizing. 
you have no sense of where to, to leave yourself. And this is... Yeah, no sense of reality. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's, it's the stability uh, about which I want to speak. The, the notion that you cannot fix, plant your feet firmly on the ground. And, and that is just not a good place. I mean, if you've ever been uh, in a severe earthquake, you, and many of us in California have been, but if you've been in one, and then you, all you wonder as the earth is moving is how long is this going to last? How big is this going to be? Is, there going, is this the first of an aftershock? Um, and, you know, is there going to be even a bigger one in, in five minutes from now? You just don't know. And, and you end up just kind of standing there, um, really cowering for many people. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard, and that, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't, doesn't matter how courageous you are. That's not the point. The point is um, your, your, your notion of terra firma is gone. And that's, that's the real success of the, the liberal movement, the leftist movement, the progressive movement that we're seeing right now. This notion that everything that you once thought is firm, terra firma, uh, in America this notion of checks and balances, this notion of there's a northern star when it comes to truth and justice, that there is a God for that matter. Yeah, rule of law, all those things. Yeah, that, that the men and women are different. Uh, you know, that marriage is probably the pinnacle of, of civilization and family is the pinnacle. All those We're things. All accountable elections are not fraudulent, all those things. Yeah. And, and to, to circle it back, as Saki would say to your early point in this <laughs> podcast, yeah. look how they're going after two plus two equals four is now racist. Two plus two equals four is the most fundamental piece of math most people learn. The, the, the absolute truth of this number plus that number equals that number. It's the ABCs of math, yeah, right? That's right. And, and, and that's, and that's a good way of putting that, it. You have a destabilization of the most basic logic of the most basic communication methods, which is the verbal ability to speak. Yeah, you got it. You got it. So this is, um, this is what they want from you. They want you to wonder about yourself. And all they, ultimately, they want a very compliant culture. Right. This is this is where the masks come in, and this is whatever. And I'm not saying that, you know, and Aria, I think might disagree with me on this one. I'm not saying that they are putting out these mask rules, you know, willy nilly to see how far you will go. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I mean, let's be a little bit ridiculous here. Let's say that they told everyone, you know, not only do we want you to wear a mask in public uh, over your mouth and your nose, but around, we want you to buy a bigger size mask to put around your, your butt, right? Because God forbid that you might pass gas and uh, the virus might, might pass that way, okay? And, and they, they'll come up with some sort of logic for it, right? And then let's wait and see whether or not people will actually wear it, okay? I'd be curious. Uh, it is fascinating to me how... Compliant people have acted in this pandemic, uh, and it's really not a pandemic in, in my eyes. This is a very—it's no, a, it's a hoax. It's a—it's a nasty it's a flu at best, and it's a big bug that's going around, around at worst. And you know, it's something that you need to worry about uh, in terms of keeping your hands clean and all that stuff, and not and being sensitive to other people. Yes, and especially vulnerable people. Blah blah blah. But it's interesting to see to what extent people will say, "Yes, sir. I will." You know, can I have some more, sir? And, and, and they go beyond whatever restrictions there might be. And I think we talked about this last week where, you know, if, if to make a, a, a 
parallel to the speed limit where they say the speed limit is 65, let's say on this or that freeway, portion of the freeway. And uh, people, instead of saying, okay, I'll go 64 uh, or even 75 because that's really kind of the de facto speed limit. They'll say, hell no, I'm not going to do 65. <clears throat> I'm going to do 45 because that's going to be a lot safer. In fact, maybe even 40 or 35 because uh, that's, that's what I'm going to do. They go way beyond the restrictions that are, are uh, you know, handed down to them. Now, uh, it does remind me of the uh, battle days of my own life where I lived in Germany uh, in the early 80s. And there's something interesting about Germany. I'm not even talking about a Germany in the sense of holdovers from the Nazi era or anything else like that. I, I think it's true not only of Germany, but also um, many other cultures, even Switzerland and Sweden and so on like that. They, they have very compliant cultures. And I just happen to live in Germany, so that's why, why I speak about it. In Germany, um, they obey the law in a very dramatic way. There's, a, there's an expression called Ordnung muss sein. And it means there must be order. And that is kind of our overriding theme in Germany. And again, it's, it's not, again, not to harken back to the Holocaust, although I'm sure there's a little bit of, of that as well. But that's not where I'm going. <clears throat> I'm talking about modern day Germany. There's still that sense <clears throat> that you, you don't rock the boat. And people are willing to do just about anything so long as they're told to do it. And they feel like... Um, they're doing something for the, the best interests of society and civilization itself. Well, like sardines, they like to fit in with the school of fish. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, exactly right. In, in certain cultures, there's a, a idea that uh, the worst thing you could do is stand out. Yeah. Okay? Oh, that's so, so Japanese true. Japanese the Japanese especially. Chinese yep. culture. But it's not true of American <clears throat> culture, which going back to the purest of American culture, let's just say 1985, it was good <clears throat> to be weird. Right? Yep. It, you don't want to be normal. Think uh, Jim McMahon of the Chicago Bears and all those commercials for Coca Cola or, or yes, Vespa exactly. or whatever. Think different, right? Steve Jobs. Think different. Yes. It, it, the whole, the whole notion. Uh, Ray Kroc of, of McDonald's fame. I mean, there's, there are too many examples. I mean, California Pizza Kitchen, everyone's an iconoclast. And as long as you zig where everyone else is zagging, you're going to do great in America. That's, right. that's the point. And uh, even my own law firm, we've done really well because, frankly, we've done things differently than a lot of other lawyers. I, I market differently, I, I, and I think differently. I take, the whole, I take a chess approach to legal practice, and for that matter, uh, even on this radio show. I talk, I talk about the big picture of how things uh, will move. But the rest of society, and now increasingly more and more of our fellow Americans are becoming more like what I saw in Germany in the early 80s. And it's, it's a mode of civilization, I suppose. Um, it, it works, you know, they think it works for them, but in fact, it really robs them of their humanity. Let me tell you about uh, an old experiment. Have you heard about the Milgram experiment, Ari? Is that the we shock people? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. You're getting the right place. So for those who don't know about it, uh, this happened in the uh, late 50s, I believe, maybe the early 60s. And a couple of um, psychologists uh, were very fascinated about the, the Holocaust, of course, and how people could have participated in, in this. And they developed this experiment <clears throat> whereby uh, volunteers were told to um, give uh, shocks to people that are on the other side of a wall. They can't see them, but they can hear them. Can hear them scream. Yeah. So, uh, and they are supposed to give these questions to people, multiple choice, 
Um, like, you know, in, in, you know, is Australia in the southern hemisphere or the northern hemisphere of America? That, you know, silly questions like that. Yeah. And if you got it wrong, P.S., it's in the southern hemisphere of, of uh, the world, um, then uh, you would you get delivered a small shock. And there would be a, um, a proctor, I guess, who would tell the guy, the volunteer, uh, that he should give a shock every time there's a wrong answer. And he wanted to see, ostensibly, whether or not the greater the shocks, the more effective it would be for the person answering the questions. Would it make him, you know, work harder to get the right answer? And that was the theory. But, of course, the ultimate goal of the experiment was to see uh, how compliant the shock giver was. And it was really disturbing to see how people would raise the level of shocks, even though would hear extreme uh, pain, even though the pain was faked, right? I mean, they, they weren't actually being shocked. Yeah, but the person on the other <clears throat> side of the wall could see the level of the so-called uh, voltage given to them, and their scream would be... Consistent in, with the, the yeah. voltage, where they, you know, from an acting point of view. Right. And so they, they, once in a while, the, the, the volunteer who's giving the shocks, you know, or so he thinks, again, thinks he's giving the shocks, would turn to the proctor and say, are, are you sure? And, he, and, he's, and the proctor would say, please go ahead. You've been told what to do. And they would do it. <clears throat> and only, only once or in a while when somebody said, I, I, don't, you know, I don't want to do this, and the proctor said, you have no choice. That's when many of them woke up and they said, well, I think I do have a choice. I don't have to do this. And then they refused. But only when they were told you don't have a choice and only in a couple of occasions, that's when it happened. So why don't I bring up the Milgram experiment? It's what it's, what it's called, the Milgram experiment. Um, <clears throat> because it, it really went into the dark recesses of human nature, how we desire to be compliant, how our first instinct is to say yes to a law. Yeah, how liberty is actually counterintuitive to human nature. Yeah. Understand? Uh, you know how, uh, and this is a, a nuanced point you talk about in your books and elsewhere, which is God gives the law as an antidote to our nature. Our liberty, our freedom of choice, our, our natural, um, our, our yearning to be free and our, our willfulness to have um, our own liberty is, is an act against, if you will, nature yeah. itself which is a really counterintuitive thing for those who don't understand God fully, who think God and nature are one. Yeah, it's, you're so right, and it's a great point. And that's really where I want to go, because uh, it, it is not our human nature to pursue liberty. It is, liberty is hard. Liberty is a value, as Dennis Prager likes to say. They don't, they don't put uh, a, you know, a statue of liberty up for nothing. Um, it's, it's not as if, uh, you know, it's a statue of food. I mean, everyone has a desire for food and to, you know, resolve their hunger. oxygen. Yeah, it's, it's not like that. The, the liberty is a value that you pursue. And it's a messy value. It results in, <clears throat> in you as a person in control of something saying, I have to let go and allow right. others to yeah. make, do things I might not like. Liberty is hard work. And the way our system of government is ostensibly supposed to work is through a system of checks and balances and oversight and, and so forth. 
And, and that's why it works. And that's why we are encouraged to vote. And that's why we, we, we used to at least take voting much more seriously. Uh, yeah, and, and jury duty. And jury, yeah, yeah, exactly. The participation and the notion of uh, you are part of civilization and we expect you to, to be, as we always say, a productive member of society and somebody that wants to be creative. That's why our system of, of the patent laws, for example, are very uh, encouraging of creativity and trademarks and copyright and, and so forth. We, we encourage entrepreneurship. Um, you know, in America, at least until recently, uh, it's fairly easy to set up a corporation and an LLC, and we encourage limited liability for those reasons because we want people to not worry about taking a risk, at least not too much of a worry. That's why the bankruptcy laws, we don't have debtor's prisons. We have bankruptcy laws so that we can get a fresh start and so on and so on. There, it, we have a culture that encourages risk, a culture that encourages free thinking. But that is going by the wayside dramatically uh, in the past few years. I would say, especially in the past year alone, and we're talking about 2020 now. Uh, it, and especially in the past two weeks, yeah, it, it's accelerating. It is not a, a natural thing for us to pursue liberty, and and that's I think we think it's natural, and this is why we spoke so uh, extensively about the nature of free speech in America versus free speech anywhere else. And we realize that the, it's the God-given nature of free speech that we believe as Americans that free speech is God-given among our many other uh, rights under the Bill of Rights. That's where we, um, where we have an issue, right? So th this is the big difference between the Europeans on the one hand and the Americans on the other. We feel that the rights we have are divine. They feel that the rights that they have are simply matters of what the government allows us to do. It's what we've agreed to as it's a collective Nancy society. Pelosi. Yeah, that, this know? is what they think. So that, that's why I kind of set up this ridiculous example of the masks. And, and Ari, you're welcome to, to bring up another ridiculous example. But the, exa the ridiculous example of um, people having to wear the bigger versions of masks around their butts uh, and would people be willing to do that if yeah, they were told, so you know, if, if, if Dr. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. If Dr. Fauci, you know, came on TV and seriously said, listen, we've decided that this is a very important thing to do. Uh, if we were really going to conquer this COVID business, this is how we've got to do it. This will wipe it out. Uh, you know, uh, one month with your, your mask on your butt to, to get rid of the COVID, whatever, you know, they'll do a campaign slogan. And, and how many people would do it? Yeah, well, they already did. The double masking is exactly that. Good example. I mean, exactly. Yeah. I mean, double mask? Are, I, I mean, a, a friend said brilliantly, why not go to a grocery store, take a plastic bag, put it over your head, secure it with a rubber band at your neck? Yeah. Uh, if, they, if better is safe than sorry, and I'm doing this, I'm wearing this for you, you're wearing this for me, is the dictate, then kill yourself through asphyxiation because that's the 100% way I can guarantee better safe than sorry that you will not spread the COVID to another guy, even if it results in your death. Well, okay, so but but they're not saying that you should go out and, and kill yourself for no, the no, they're not. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know, I know, the, Ari. The, the, the point is with two as as clearly an experiment to see uh, among other things. I, I'm asking you for a ridiculous concept that would actually not kill yourself. I mean, if you were told to jump over a cliff, of course they wouldn't do that. I'm talking about something very different. Uh, how ridiculous would it be? I mean, let's say to kind of go a little bit with your example. 
instead of a bag over your head with a rope around it, which, of course, you would die within minutes. A rope, rubber band. Yes, uh, Viva, you know, le mot juste. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot. No, that's not what we're talking about. I'm, I'm talking, what if you were to wear a mask equivalent, a modern day equivalent, a, 20, a 21st century equivalent of the Darth Vader uh, mask, right? The helmet that yeah. he wears. Yeah. And of course he breathes and everything else. You can't see him. He's completely covered. But by golly, uh, that is uh, COVID compliant if I ever saw it, right? So what if everyone had to wear an equivalent of a Darth Vader mask. But of course, you could, it could be different colors. You could put little uh, stickies on your helmet uh, yeah, to express paint. your love of BLM, to express uh, your love of the, uh, the LA Raiders, whatever you want. Uh, and it could be a lot of fun that way, but everyone still had to wear the equivalent of a Darth Vader mask. Yeah, right? Raider, Raider fans were already doing that. We're way ahead <laughs> of you on that. Yes. And of course, pink for boys, blue for girls, because, you know. Um, now, one area that I will contend that this is happening, and you know, I I don't know how much we differ on this. I would say the vaccine is a perfect example. We're dealing with a situation with this virus where there are several cures that are not vaccine related, yet the vaccine they're espousing is a medical experiment. So why would you take an experiment that Dr. Fauci then says? doesn't absolve you from masks or distancing or staying away from your relatives. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to die if you take it, but why would a person take an experimental... Okay, so I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about hypothetical new laws that we could expect people to... Would they do it? Uh, that's why I gave, came up well, with a Darth... obviously some will. That's right? why I came up with a Darth Vader mask idea. That's why I talk about masks around your butt sort of idea. Uh, what about, uh, maybe not necessarily related to COVID, but to climate change, uh, right. and I say this as a vegan right now, what if they said, okay, no more meat uh, in any restaurants because we believe that cow farts and uh, meat farts and such like that is is the greatest contributor to climate change. And therefore, uh, we are now banning that uh, from anybody and nobody shall eat anything but uh, vegetables. And not only that, but organic vegetables at that. Okay, now as a, as a vegan, if somebody were to tell me that I couldn't eat meat, I would, I would find a way to eat. I'll tell you. I mean, just as no, an act no, of protest. Yeah, as an act of protest, exactly yes. right. Don't tell me, I, I, I'm choosing not to eat meat for my own health reasons and such, but don't you dare tell me that I, can, I, I can't eat meat. I'm not allowed to eat meat. I will not be championing that. I will not be saying, bra- you know, bravo, the government is finally doing something right when it comes to meat because it, it fits with my ideas of, of what uh, a healthy environment might be. No more so than I would feel if, if the government banned cigarettes altogether and, and made it illegal. You know, it's not healthy to, to smoke cigarettes. Neither you nor I smoke cigarettes. But I, I would be against that. Likewise, uh, alcohol. Likewise, with uh, a, a lot of things. Uh, yeah, that, porn, marijuana, alcohol, anything. Yeah. It's, it's all, and you would understand that now we as a, a freedom-loving person who loves human liberty of our fellow man, it is now our obligation to go say the forbidden word, to do the forbidden thing, to consume the forbidden substance entirely as an act of protest in so, those cases. Right. But my, my ultimate question is, what kind of law would be too ridiculous for would people say, at the, you know, t- I'm talking about 2021, would Americans today, especially the young generation, the millennials, would they say, 
that's absurd. I ain't going to do that. Yeah, well, right? I, uh, short of actually killing themselves. But, yeah, but you've always said that the answer is important. It's the question we ask, right? So the, I, I think there's one point I want to make and then to rephrase that and to, to, to make the question, I believe, a little more precise. Um, the point I want to make is this. There's a dynamic which is those who are more likely to follow these dictates and join and participate are those more likely to be the enforcing Nazis on the ground. So the person most likely to put on the mask or the double mask is the person more likely to yell at you for not. Right? We, the maskless, I haven't yelled at one person at all who's worn a mask this entire time. Because my worldview is freedom of choice, you're free to be an idiot. You want to smoke cigarettes and get lung cancer? Do it. I'm not going to do it. You do it. You want to not eat meat? Do it. You know? Uh, you know, okay, so I, I, but, but, but tell so, me your point. So they're the they're the the, the compliant are also the enforcers, which I think goes sort of to a modern uh, uh, reflection of the Milgram experiment. Then the the more precise point is this, or, or the more more precise question is, um, way of and it's a modification of the question you asked. This is, which I think sort of gives an answer to it too, which is. I don't think it's even worthwhile asking that question that because being that the media's propaganda abilities are infinite, because you can tell a person at this point that sticking your head in a bucket of water and drowning is healthy for you and good for the greater good and people will do it, that so long as media has the ability to mass broadcast idiot ideas into people's brains, there will be a large number of highly compliant people who will then be the highly compliant enforcers of other people who refuse. So that okay. there now, isn't it, a limit. Do you you're, understand? You're, of course I do. Um, I, I do think there is a limit. People do, uh, you know, the, the survival instinct is is greater than anything else. And, and people look and people flee, you know, one country versus another uh, because of, of uh, circumstances in their own country. Or, you know, they want to run away. I, I, I see that all the time. We see that all the time. But short of the survival instinct to actually keep their lives going, uh, I think people will do a lot. Now, the question is, what percentage of the country... And it may not even matter, Ari, because, you know, like we know about the Bolsheviks, they were only 7% of the population. Uh, nevertheless, they took over the country yeah. and they made it miserable for everyone. That's right. Uh, so, but I, I'm still curious, into, you know, intellectually, at what point, at what, what percentage do we have those kinds of people that would wear the big masks over their butts, that would wear the Darth Vader masks instead of the regular mask yeah. and so on in order for the larger, you know, for the greater good. Uh, they would be definitely visible. They would definitely talk a lot about it. And as you said correctly, they would be the big enforcers of it and they would try to yell at you in the street. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I, do, I, do, I do think, I, hold on, I do think that whatever it is, the percentage of compliant people, the people who are not only who are compliant, but, the, but do so with, with gusto and relish. You know, the people, the, the, these idiots who will wear a mask in the middle of nowhere, in, in, a, in a mountain biking trail where there aren't people around for miles, and they still wear a mask, 
these are the kind of people I'm talking about. And yeah. I think there's a lot of them That's out right. there. That's right. There's a lot of them. The, the ones on the beach, the ones on the golf course, the ones in the middle of nowhere on a sunny day and there's no one around and they're, they're complying and looking at you like you're an ass because you won't. And I think you actually hit on the number because, you know, you just said the Bolsheviks six were about seven, 6 or 7%. Well, the number of truly violent extremists within the Islamic community who become terrorists, right around 7%. The number of true Nazis, uh, uh, you know, real believers in the Nazi cause, 7%. So that 7% number is like a magic threshold that once you cross, it shows that your society really has some sort of uh, philosophical cancer to it. Maybe even a death wish. Right. And I would say, uh, may I make two points here? The first is, you said the human instinct to survive is very strong and people tend to resist that. So they may not stick their head in a bucket of water, but how many are giving themselves daily hypoxia and oxygen deprivation by wearing the mask for hours at a time? Okay. That's the first. And then then the second thing is this. there, there seems to be this, this dynamic where we've crossed the threshold, which was the cancel culture has been saying, well, Huck Finn used a certain word. Uh, J.D. Salinger's uh, catcher in the rye uh, did some un- uh, antisocial behaviors. Vonnegut, well, that's just disturbing writing, you know, <laughs> r- right with Slaughterhouse-Five. Those were the famously banned books, Right. It, then we went to kill a mockingbird, and then, you know, oh, no, we better put warning labels on Dumbo, right? But Dr. Seuss was always the threshold where people would say, well, it's not like they ever are going to cancel Dr. Seuss. Well, last week they came for the Seuss. Yeah, here, here now, yeah. here's sort of my point I think relates directly to your current life's work. So I think you might appreciate this uh, extended diatribe by the Ari, which is once you cancel Seuss... As Mark Stein would say, there aren't a lot of hills left to die on. And that, I believe, is the straight line to canceling the Bible. Because the Bible is clearly the ultimate book for cancellation. Yes, the, the, it, it's a very good point. No, it, my, it, my take on that is I, I think you're 100% right. I think they are gunning to get rid of uh, Christianity and Judaism, particularly Christianity, since there are many more Christians in America, and for that matter, Western civilization, than there are uh, Jews or any, any other faith that they want to worry about. They, they do love Islam for some reason. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, well, I know the reason why. The point is that... The Bible says virtually everything contrary to what they espouse today, such as, for example, that you need to fight your heart and you need to operate with your brain, right? We're a feelings-based culture now, and that's not what the Bible says. The Bible also touts the virtue of family. It also says that that men and women are different, exactly right, that it, it, it touts the fact that we don't want kings, we want uh, the, the, we want democracy. I mean, you, you can see that in the Bible time and time again. The, God incur- discouraged the Jews from having kings, but the, the Jews wanted their kings. So they, okay, so we got King David and then Solomon, and then it, it all fell apart for them, and then they eventually were exiled into Babylonia. The point is that virtually everything that the Bible teaches us about the sanctity of marriage, for example, uh, that's contrary to the leftist ideology today. So they want to they blow it up. And I, I think you're right about that. So going back to one last point, and then I do want to wrap it up, uh, about the compliant nature of 
more and more Americans and how they are willing to not only embrace ridiculous ideas, but to embrace them with relish and gusto. Um, one of the things that was very telling to me was what happened following the November 2020 election, where the media um, and the politicians, but especially the media, made it tried to marginalize anybody who dared to think that this was a corrupted election, that this was not a free and fair election. Right, after spending four years doing exactly, exactly that, that. Yeah, yeah. suddenly that became the most forbidden thing ever to say. Right, so now it's forbidden. And, and the way that people, again, talk about relish and gusto, the way people embrace that, right? It, it's not a law, of course, uh, that, that way in terms of, you know, you shall wear double masks or whatever it is that we've been talking about. But in a way, they're imposing... Uh, a thought, you know, it's the thought police, where they, they're telling you, this is the way you must think about what happened in November 2020, and it was a totally free and fair election. Cleanest like, ever. Like, cleanest ever, and likewise, when it comes to climate change, uh, you know, if you disagree with that, you're, you're a monster. Likewise, if you think that uh, the, the COVID response should be, it, it's overwrought and, and overdone, well, you're a monster as well, you like to kill people. Uh, and if you don't support Black Lives Matter, then you're a racist and so on like that. So this is the way, it's not just intimidation. I think intimidation is certainly a factor, but they've now discovered, uh, you know, how do they call it? They, they discovered the undiscovered country, the, the, the phrase used by, by Shakespeare. And what is the undiscovered country? That people are willing to believe anything that you tell them when there is no God in the picture. That is what they are discovering. And they are having the time of their lives, both the media and the political left. That's what we are fighting, my friends. <laughs>